0: Today on Preach Impediments, we continue to discuss forgiveness. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message, reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Thank you for joining us again on Preach Impediments. This podcast is made possible by Edenhollow.com. and of course, we would love for you to go over there and check out the things happening with Eden Hollow. This week, we were able to really dig into the concepts of forgiveness, and we did so with... Keith Stonehart, I hope you were able to listen to that episode, and that episode was helpful to you. But I want to go back and discuss some of the things that Keith and I really just didn't have a lot of time to dig into. One of the parts of our discussion earlier in the week was about the story in John chapter 8 of the woman at the well, and how that story related to the concept of forgiveness. And I hated to lose that. but It was already longer than our typical episode anyway. And I thought that would be something that I could dig in with you today as we talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is defined as many things. Oftentimes we use the word to talk about not being angry or resentful anymore or to stop those feelings. Another definition I've heard is that forgiveness is a restoration of a relationship to the status it had before the problem happened. And I particularly like that definition because it focuses on the relational side of forgiveness instead of the transactional side, as the previous definition does with the no longer feeling angry or resentful. Because we really do tend to think of forgiveness in those two different categories. Some of us think of forgiveness in terms of transaction. Somebody did some wrong thing to me and I must forgive that wrong action. It is a reaction to a, a particular set of bad decisions. Whereas the Bible often speaks of forgiveness in terms of relationship that it is God restoring us to a relationship with him, he is forgiving and forgetting those transactions because he desires that relationship. And I think being able to separate those two concepts is helpful to us, and that's what Keith and I spent some time talking about. But what I wanted to dig into today is not just the concept of forgiveness, because we tend to think of that Almost exclusively in terms of God forgiving us, we think of it in terms of being forgiven or being the forgiven. Well, I want to talk about it from the concept of being the forgiver and what we learn about being a forgiver from the story we find over in John chapter 8. So, let's start with a reading of that particular passage. The story is just from verse 2 down through verse 11. It's not very long, but I think it can be helpful to us in this discussion. At dawn, Jesus went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, This woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued riding on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Here we've got an, just an incredible story here about Jesus and his forgiveness and his willingness to be forgiving to a woman who honestly didn't deserve it. She was a woman who was caught in a really abhorrent sin, especially when compared to the Old Testament law and the way that they would have viewed this woman. Uh, it, it's a pretty bad scenario that she's been called in, yet it says here that he forgave her. Now, it doesn't use that term specifically, but that phrase he uses at the end, neither do I condemn you, being that Jesus is Lord and he is judge. The fact that he did not condemn her is significant. There's also an unstated aspect of the story of relationship. In any story of forgiveness, there has to be the one who is in a position of authority, who has superiority of some sort. He's the one who needs to do the forgiving. And there must be the one who is in the position of submission, the one who is in trouble, the one who needs to be forgiven. In this story, obviously, Jesus is the one who is in the position of authority. He is the one who is is the teacher that she has been brought to. And then there's the woman who has been called in sin. She's the one in trouble. She is the one who needs to be forgiven. Now, what happens to allow for forgiveness, especially in a situation where forgiveness is not earned or forgiveness is not even asked for, is that there must be a relationship that is more important than the transaction. There must be a relationship that needs to be preserved that brings about the forgiveness. In this case, you have Jesus, who, as far as we know, does not know this woman at all, unless you want to argue from a supernatural viewpoint of him being Lord. We have no idea of any sort of human, personal relationship between Jesus and this woman. But there is forgiveness because Jesus loves her. Jesus desires that she be in a right relationship with the Father. And so he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on do not sin anymore. Now, that statement of forgiveness is itself interesting, because it gives us a very clear picture of how to forgive somebody. First of all, you need to state the forgiveness. He says, I do not condemn you. I don't know how you get any more bluntly uh, obvious about the forgiveness that you're offering to somebody. And then there's oftentimes even the stating for the basis of the forgiveness, Here, while he doesn't say, because I am your Lord, she has already said that. No one, Lord, she responds when he asked, has no one condemned you? And so he is saying, I don't forgive you because I am a loving Lord. He's showing himself to be different than the Jews who have accused her and brought her into this embarrassing situation. I think you can also, though, argue that one of the reasons Jesus gives a basis for forgiveness is that he gives her the commission to go on and stop sinning. He is not just saying, I am Lord, in terms of being the one that has the authority to forgive, but he is saying, I am Lord, and I have the authority to demand that you no longer sin anymore. And so the basis for the forgiveness is the changed life that comes as a result of the forgiveness. And then there is often a recognition of the release. He says, go. And so there's that sense of he is allowing her to return to life, but return to life forgiven. That is a beautiful picture of forgiveness here. One of the most interesting images of this entire story is found in the posturing. It is interesting in this story that Jesus has stooped down and he is near the ground, riding on the ground with his finger. He tells the authorities that the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. And then it's interesting. He stoops again. Now, what I really find great about this story is that he stood to speak to the Jewish authorities. But when he is dealing with the concept of forgiveness, he stoops. Uh, He stands up to the Jewish authorities, but then he stoops whenever he is doing his thinking, whenever he is making his proclamation. Verse 10, it does say, When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, No one, Lord. Well, that, that idea of stooping, that, that idea of physically humbling himself. Here's a woman who's been caught in, st- in sin, and she is standing, yet Jesus is stooping. That picture of Jesus physically. physically stooping while the woman is standing is really a picture of humility. And it is a picture of a God who is willing to lower himself down to where we are, in order to relate to us, in order to build a relationship with us. And I love that image here. There have been studies done about different styles of coaching. And there is a dramatic difference in the way that you would coach a group of guys versus the way that you would coach a group of girls successful coaches with guys are always standing up while the guys are kneeling toward him. So if you see a soccer coach of a group of boys or a soccer uh, coach of a group of girls, you're going to see it handled somewhat differently. For the boys, often what you'll see is the coach standing in the middle of a circle of boys who have been told to take a knee. And with girls, what you often have is a coach that is kneeling with the girls. Girls tend to relate better to somebody who is willing to come down and lower themselves down to a position of relationship, whereas guys tend to respond better to a coach who is willing to put himself in a position of authority. Jesus here in this story stoops and puts himself in a position of relationship. Because forgiveness requires relationship. It's time to change gears a little bit. I do want to move on from the story here of Jesus with the woman at the well and talk about how we can forgive well ourselves. And I think there's a lot of lessons we've already covered so far just from this story. But I do think that it's good to go beyond just this story. We don't know anything about this woman and how she ends up. Does she fall back into sin or not? We don't know. We don't know if Jesus had any more interactions with her while on earth. We don't really know the conclusion of how she responded to this very bold and very gracious forgiveness that he offers to her. But I will say, and I don't think you'll have a hard time agreeing with this, That if there were interactions in the future, there's a few things we know about Jesus. First of all, he would not have used this sin as an opportunity to guilt her in the future. I don't know that he ever would have brought it up again. What has been forgiven has been forgotten. We read that in Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 10. We know that God forgives and forgets. And if we are going to forgive other people, even though we might not be able to truly forget, we need to appear as if we have, because we never bring up the problem again, because the problem has been erased. Secondly, I believe Jesus would have had a focus on the relationship and not the transaction as they move forward. That is one of the best ways you can assure somebody that you have truly forgiven them is that instead of worrying about what's going to happen next, instead of worrying about are they going to make a mistake again, instead of worrying about any sort of possible transaction failure in the future, just focus on the relationship. You love them. That's why you forgave them. And so move forward with the relationship. It's what God does with each of us. And then last, I think we need to realize that All of us need to be willing to forgive others and assure them in the forgiveness that we're offering them because we ourselves are also in need of forgiveness. Just like Jesus told these authorities, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. None of us are without sin. None of us are really capable of being unwilling to forgive others because we have all sinned. Jesus makes it very clear in other passages, like Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, where he says, But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Or Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. We are told abundantly through Scripture, especially by Jesus, That if we are unwilling to extend forgiveness to others, then God will be unwilling to extend forgiveness to us. One of the best ways we can assure others that we have truly forgiven them is to talk about our own failures instead of bringing up their failures. That very obvious and open humility that comes with belonging to a God who is perfect that recognizes how imperfect we are, is what allows others to believe that we are willing to forgive them as God has forgiven us. You see, this woman in the story did not deserve forgiveness. She did not ask for forgiveness. She did not even expect forgiveness. My suspicion is, not knowing what she knew about Jesus, is that she believed she was being brought before a man who was going to condemn her and that she was on the way to her death. She was going to be dragged out of that city and stoned as the law demanded that she be stoned. She didn't deserve forgiveness and she knew that. She didn't ask forgiveness because she didn't deserve it. And she didn't expect forgiveness because she should have expected judgment. But when we come to God... We should expect the unexpected, and we should be willing to ask and receive, and we should be willing to recognize that he always gives what is undeserved to those who do not deserve it. That means when it comes to forgiving others, we need to extend the same sort of grace. What about those people who don't deserve our forgiveness? Forgive them anyway. What about that person who didn't ask for forgiveness? You should have forgiven them so that when they do ask for forgiveness, you can say, already been done. What about those who don't expect forgiveness? Well, then they should be loved in a way where they can come to truly believe that they can be forgiven. We have a guide who is a glorious and awesome God, a loving God, and a forgiving God. And if we're going to be anything like him, we need to be forgiving also. I hope this episode has been helpful to you and challenging and hopeful for you. I don't know where you're at with your relationship with Jesus, I don't know if you truly have struggled with forgiveness or struggled with believing that God could forgive someone like you, but let me tell you right now, He can, He will, and He does. All you need to do is find yourself in a relationship with Him because God's forgiveness is not based on earning it. It's based on being in a relationship with Him. And if you can just come to know Him, to obey His word, and to follow him as a disciple, he will allow you to be one of his children. And I certainly hope that is what your future holds for you. If this episode has been helpful to you, please share it with others. Help them to come to know the God who is so generous in his forgiveness and so loving in the way that he treats you and I. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review. Let people know that Preach Impediments is a great place to come and learn about some of the most difficult words we use in a religious setting and to have those words really come alive in your life. And don't forget to check out EdenHollow.com, which is what makes this podcast possible. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.